We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Show. Tuesday, December 5th episode. We're going to talk about the in-season tournament. We'll talk a little bit about the trade market. A happy return for Kelly Oubre Jr. A number of things to dive into on today's show. If you haven't done so yet, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on notifications as well. That way you get notified, particularly when we go live on Fridays. Front Office Friday, don't miss Keith's now iconic yell. Make sure you turn on notifications and you are subscribed to the channel. Keith, I'm having one of those days where I think it's a different day. All day I've been thinking today is Wednesday. And yet it is not. It is Tuesday. Yeah, I'm a mess. It's the I think it's just this time of year. Like our like from Thanksgiving to Christmas, there's like nine million things going on in our lives here. And it's like I don't have the regular rhythm of basketball, even because there's all these weird off yeah. things for the league. So like everything has me super thrown off. And I continually it's weird. I kind of feel like I know what the date is. Like I know today's December yeah. 5th, but you could have told me it was Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday. I might've believed it. That's, that's right where I'm at too. Like I'm just, I, it doesn't feel like a Tuesday for some reason. And again, I don't know what it's, I, I watched Monday night football last night in addition to the NBA games. And still, I don't know. It's just, it's tis the season, I suppose. <laughs> I um, speaking of last night's games though, and I know this is, you know, your your Celtics obviously came up short against the the Pacers. Not, no, not trying to stick it to you on that or anything, of course, but um, some really fun basketball. I think that's the most important yeah. thing here is that I, and I'm sitting there watching these and I can't escape the fact that as I'm sitting there thinking we're getting playoff basketball basically right now in December. And that is a fantastic thing for the NBA. It really was the just to start off with the crowds were incredible oh, in both yeah. Indiana and Sacramento. Uh, I'm very curious to see Lakers and Bucks crowds tonight. Yeah, do they bring the same energy? Because in theory, they know hey, our real goal is to win an NBA title, and are their fans going to be as up for it as the fans in Indiana and Sacramento were? We'll see. But as far as the players and the teams went, the coaches treated these, all four coaches treated them like uh, do or die, uh, must win games. Mm -hmm. They had 
uh, played shortened rotations, not only in terms of number of players, but also in terms of minutes for key players. Key, Basically, teams kind of went with their top six guys, and that was about it in most of these games, maybe down to seven or eight. And you might have seen a couple guys get in there for a few minutes here and there. But for the most part, they pushed minutes for starters, uh, which was really interesting. I think also with a sense of, hey, even if we do advance, it's like every other day from here on out. And if mm-hmm. we don't, we've got a ton of days off. Yeah. Like I know the Celtics, they're going to play. Nice week. Yeah. They're going to play one more game now against the Knicks on Friday. And, and that'll it. be their only game in like an eight day window um, where, where they play. So, or at least a seven day window. So that's, that's part of it too. I think it was, Hey, even if we lose, we can say we gave it our best shot. And now we've got all these extra days off. And then the players were going really, really hard too. You could almost see that it meant more to them as well. And and it was funny because it was the typical Celtics fans like, good, this is over. Now we don't have to pretend to care about it, which I think was a lot of, you know, sour grapes make the yeah. best wine, um, you know, uh, comment there. So it was, uh, you know, one of those things where it's like, eh, you're, you're just now being a baby about it. So, you know, but two really, really fun games. If we get a repeat of that tonight, monster win for the league no matter what because those two games were awesome last night yeah they were absolutely fantastic it was i mean it was edge your seat type of of action you saw the players really going after each other especially uh celtics pacers it was just one haymaker thrown after another (laughs) that four-point play by Halliburton. unreal (laughs) just you know it was such a bad shot too and then to get fouled on it like it was you know, just unbelievable. What you know, I mean, credit to him. He did not have a very good first half. The Pacers as a whole did not have a very good first half, and he was completely dominant in the second half. You saw him completely control a game, and that's what the very best uh I'm, I want to say point guards, but it's really the very best primary playmaker um on a team because it doesn't have to necessarily be a point guard. But that's what they do. You play the game at whatever pace they want to play it at at any point in time. Like it, kind of the prototypical guys for me with that uh, in the last, let's say, 20 years have been Steve Nash and Chris Paul. They yeah. want to play fast. You play fast. If they want to play slow, guess what? Everybody's playing slow. And Hal Burton has that gene, absolutely. It, it's not out of the question that, and again, it's unlikely because there's so these. this is rarefied air here. But it's not out of the question that someday we're talking about Nash, CP3, and Halliburton in the same in the same sentence again, which is which sure. is incredible to even be able to say that that's a possibility to be able to hit that level is is unreal. Um, Halliburton, you know his it's not the most aesthetically pleasing game, right? I mean, I appreciate the way he gets where he gets to and everything, but yeah. there's not a lot of fluidity to like his step back jumper when he's got Al Horford isolated and he's crossing over and crossing over. It's very herky jerky like there's not there's just there's not a lot of smoothness to it and yet it works he takes shots where i'm like oh god he's off balance oh went in you know it's uh and there's there's something to that where it's kind of endearing that it's his game's not perfect it's not polished 
and yet he is still so so good and so effective. And I'll tell you what, and Keith, I think one that's of things, what makes it effective. Sorry, I just think that's what makes it effective. The rhythm is, is the weird for players defending. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that you're like, oh crap, he's shooting. Like he should yeah. be shooting from the, his body's half turned to the basket. Why is he exactly? Shooting? And then and then he is, and it goes in, and those kind of things. The the other thing I'll just throw in too, just because it's one of my favorite articles uh, that anybody's written in the last couple of years, Caitlin Cooper, who now does like independent coverage of the Pacers. Um, she did incredible analysis on how, what's the one thing your coach drilled into when you were a kid, do not jump to pass, right? Mm -hmm. You limit all of your options. If you leave the floor and Tyrese Halberton jumps to pass all the time. And she did this um, long analysis on what happens when he leaves his feet to pass. And this was, this was, I think it was two seasons ago that she did this, but it was really good stuff. So I highly recommend, uh, mm -hmm. might've even been last year, but whenever it was, go just go look it's it up. Fair. Like Tyrese Halbert and jump to pass and you'll, you'll get that. So sorry, I interrupted your thought there on that. No, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, I was just going to say to kind of put a bow on Celtics and, and Pacers, I thought what really drove home how much the players were bought into this and how much this meant to them. Not only was it the way the Pacers celebrated after the game, but it was also how many times did we see Aaron Neesmith headfirst dive onto the floor for a loose ball? Like there was no, there, there were no stop signs. There was no pulling any punches. It was all out. We're playing this game to win it. We're treating this game like a playoff game and it's single elimination. So that added to the fun of it as well. Um, I, I put out there on X, I said, the NBA in-season tournament's not going anywhere. Like, they're, nope. this, you, you're getting games like this? No. And the NBA is celebrating. This is a win. And this is going to be a thing that sticks around for a while. Yeah, my last two thoughts on this game specifically. One is, also to, to build on to your point, the Celtics players were, they were upset about losing. Yeah. More upset than you, you usually are in a regular season game. I think they kept the the ultimate perspective of, Hey, it's not like our season's over, right? right? There's still, you know, we still have 60 odd games plus, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, double digit playoff games to go the rest of the way um, in this season. And then it turned into, but you could see they were, they were not happy, right? They wanted to win and, and keep it going. So that's, that's another good sign. And then the other thing I would say is um, with, with this is, we already knew it wasn't going anywhere just because the the ratings had been so solid. The in arena yeah. attendance was really good for these. The social media engagements were really good, even if a lot of those seemed like they were people complaining about the court or complaining about the tournament or not. People were watching, right? Mm -hmm. And that's at the end of the day. It's kind it's kind of like the old theory, right? In in the you know, blog world, is hey, doesn't matter if you comment on my article to complain about how much you hated it. You clicked on it and read it. So I'm, I'm good. Right. I won. I'm in a, in a respect there. And that's not to suggest you should, that should be your primary reason, but no. you know, we've all been there, right. When somebody, you know, wants to just hate on you with it. So, yeah, I mean, really, really good stuff um, from, from this one. And then I think from the second game, the Kings just, they got a little out of sorts for a period uh, in the second quarter where it kind of started to get away from him a little bit. And then other than that, that game was played really, really well and at a high level too. You can see with the Pelicans, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, Trey Murphy being back, 
just what a difference he makes uh-huh. to that team. He's just he's so important to them to have that extra shooter on the floor that can really do stuff. And he's and it's it's almost not enough to call him a shooter because he is a good shooter, but he's a really good athlete and can and he's learning and getting better at putting the ball on the floor and getting the basket. They can run basket cuts for him where it's not just you know some guys who are shooters they have to cut all the way through to get. Basically, the only time they hit the paint is when they're walking through it to get to the other three point right. side of the three point line. He's not that way. You can run stuff for him on basket cuts and everything else. So, really, really good player. And you know, New Orleans when they're fully healthy and engaged, they just look like a completely different team than when they're missing a handful of guys. And shocking, right? What well, well, incredible yeah. analysis! Yeah. But for them, it it's just it really is um, such a stark difference where a lot of teams they kind of get down one or two guys and you almost see, all right, everybody's got to play harder, play with a little bit more effort. We're all going to get into this. It's almost like they are just like, well, we're missing guys. We're expected to lose. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then I know Pelicans fans would say, and they're probably right is when are we ever not missing key players? Cause it seems like they always are, but yeah, when that team's really healthy, man, they're, they're a whole different level of team than what we've seen so far. Yeah. And they, uh, they can be a lot of fun. They can throw a lot of wings at you. They are, um, they're very good team. Brandon Ingram was fantastic in closing out that game last night. Pelicans, I think, are a bit of a tough matchup. They've got a few wins now over the Sacramento Kings uh, on the season. Um, let's let's jump over to your your Celtics. Some news that they they plan to be active on the trade market. What uh, what are they going to look to to trade here, and what are they what are they trying to acquire uh, if uh, if they're able to before February eighth, which is the the trade deadline? Sure, and this came from Sham Sharani on the run it. Back show, I think. I don't know. He's on like it feels like a hundred different things yeah. now, but I think At it was running back. Um, yeah, right. And then um, but he basically said, Yeah, he was asked um by I think it was Michelle Beadle, was like Boston's bench kind of fell short in that game. You know, was well, what's going on there? And he said, Yeah, it's expected they're gonna be very active trying to upgrade the bench um uh, before the trade deadline on February 8th, which is sounds bonkers, but it's only two months away. Right. Yeah. Like we're, it's going to, this Clock's is all going to, yeah, it's all going to come very uh, fast now. Right. Yeah. Like everything starts really going here in about a week and a half when everything opens up for trades and it'll be very uh, rapid from there. Oh, on Keith, out. you know what just, I just realized What's if that? we get some kind of woge bomb or Shams, whatever we want to call it, while you and I are actually hanging out this weekend <laughs> and our and our wives are there, the looks that we're gonna get oh, if we have to go, but at the same time, that would be absolutely epic. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. <laughs> I, that, that's probably why unfortunately it won't happen, right? It's true. It, it, it'll, it'll wait for till till you're back in the air on the way home. That's uh, when it'll happen. Yep. Um, but yeah, with the Celtics, so here's the challenge, right? Okay, sure. I fully get like upgrade the bench. No, no problem with that. It's they're kind of Al Horford and Sam Hauser have been really good off the bench when the team is whole. And then after that, Luke Cornett's kind of okay as a backup big should really be your third big uh, or ideally your fourth center. Um, and then Peyton Pritchard has his moments. He's been in a kind of a prolonged shooting slump uh, here. So that's a little bit of a problem, mm-hmm. but the challenge is Boston doesn't, they're not, they're not sitting on $10 million in tradable salary for a guy who doesn't play. So that's a, that's a problem. Number one. So their best single salary matching trade asset right now is the 6.2 million traded 
uh, player exception, the TPE that they have. They do have most of their own first round picks. Uh, so and they've got a bunch of second round picks. So they would be able to make something happen from that standpoint. It's just the matching salary is where it gets hard. Now, I don't think they're in the range to go get. We just and I'm throwing this out there because we've talked about them forever. Mm-hmm. But Zach Levine, right? They're not yeah. even in the range to go for a guy like that. Wouldn't make sense for them to be in on a guy like that. But really, you're talking about if you're going to use the, the TPE, you're talking about a player makes $6 million or less. Or what you're talking about is, all right, let's put together three, four, five of these uh, minimum contracts, get up to about $10 million in matching salary or so, and go get a guy that way. Now, that could happen. Because we have seen Brad Stevens, and it is recently as um, last season, or I guess it was two seasons ago, he basically emptied out the entire bench and went and got Derek White in, mm-hmm. a, in a trade, and then they made a couple other trades. And it was there was a point where it was like, uh, the Celtics have like eight dudes on the roster right now in the middle of the season. And then they went out and signed guys like Nick Stauskas, 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 um, Nick Rocks. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. um, <laughs> we were just talking about how good the Kings have been. Right, and yeah, they, they had maybe a tough matchup with the Pelicans, but then we got to harken back to uh, some, some dark moments for that franchise. That's more of a Nick Stauskas now thing, right? Sauce Castillo. Uh, back in the day. Um, yep. that, that's going back to the old NBA Twitter days when it was like, it was like the, the West Coasters and the diehards are up watching the Kings at night. But yeah, and then they filled out the bench with a bunch of guys at the end of the bench because it was, all right, this is this is what we can do right now. So I wouldn't completely rule out the idea of we're going to trade for these minimum salary contract guys and go get somebody who makes $10 million to fill out the bench. And then we'll go right back to, we'll call up three, four guys from the G League. And that's mm-hmm. how I will do it. The other side of that is it's hard for another team to take in three or four guys. So that might be part of a bigger trade where there's a lot of moving parts happening and those kind of things. So we'll see what happens with this active. Sure. How um, big of a move it's going to be. I just yeah. don't think it's going to be all that big. Well, but this is, this is good for the overall trade market though, because so far Keith, everything has been, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago sure. with, you know, maybe every once in a while somebody whispers Toronto, right? But yeah. but I think people are so tired of Toronto the last few years doing the, <laughs> well, we might trade everybody and then doing yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. Well, I guess they went and got Pirtle, but still. Um, well, that was I, the I other think, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the other way. Instead of trading players they, away, they, yeah, they ended up being a buyer. <laughs> um, but but to have, to start hearing some other teams, and this is, Again, pretty normal. We're going to start hearing, "Hey, this team might want to make some moves here on the uh, on the trade market." Yeah. And once again, uh, the story from the other day that you know it was two first round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith, and <laughs> that's that's where we're at right now. But yeah. the more we put the puzzle pieces together, and this is going to be not something's happening tomorrow, but over the next few weeks and even over a month. Um, we're going to start to get a better sense of what the market actually looks like and teams are going to start getting more realistic. So I I just add this as another piece to the overall trade puzzle that, hey, the Celtics are going to be looking to do some things. Yeah, the Bulls have some incentive to do some things. The Raptors, what are the Hornets going to do? Could they be a team that's in on Zach Levine that maybe we're not talking enough about? What happens with some of these other guys? Um, We're going to start to get a sense of how robust the trade market is or isn't. And the more teams that we can add to it, the better for us and the better yeah. for NBA NBA fans because the more exciting it's going to be. 
and that's so two thoughts. One is Celtics become the first of the contender tier of teams outside of Philadelphia, who's basically been mentioned as, hey, they they may do something early, right? And do a little mm-hmm. bit of free agency and go get a guy at in you know, in the wake of the Harden trade. So now Boston joins that list as, yeah, they're going to look for something. And others will come in there as well, right? We're going to hear this probably about Denver and the Lakers and Minnesota sure. and, you know, a bunch of teams. It'll probably be for a lot of those teams in the Milwaukee, obviously in the East, but for a lot of those teams, it may be, yeah, they got it. They're going to do moves around the edges. It's probably not going to be quite as big a blockbuster type thing or Phoenix, especially like Phoenix, Boston, Milwaukee. They don't have a ton of tradable salary. So right. that's where they're a little more stuck to. Yeah, it's probably going to be a smaller type move. I would say the other part too, um, to, to this is it takes a little while for the trade market to develop because in order for the buyers to get what they need, there have to be sellers. And right now, there's only a handful of sellers um, that are out there. And, you know, cause nobody, nobody wants to, you know, a week after Thanksgiving, give up on their season, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, wait, I can't, you know, how, how do we sell to the fans for the next five months? Like, yeah, we're out. Or, like, you know, so that's a, or, that's a big problem. So yeah, that's a big, but how do you, how do you sell to the fan base? Hey, we're, we're pulling the plug already. Yeah. Go buy tickets for our yeah. game in January. Yeah. And, 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 and it goes hand in hand with this. How do you go to ownership and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna lose a lot of games by trading away these guys, but we're gonna get a nice draft pick." They're gonna be looking at, okay, who's gonna be in our arena for the next five yeah. months or, or whatever, exactly. you know, four months. That's why I thought, and I'm not criticizing the reporting that came out of sure. Detroit over the weekend because I think the reporting was really solid. But the idea of the Detroit front office saying, like, we need more time to see this through. Well, you made the problem. So, of course, you want more time to try to fix it. So, like, that's not like, okay, I get it. But at some point, it becomes, where are we going with this? You know, that, like, like are, are you going to get given more time? Because the Pistons, I think we can pretty confidently say, uh, you're not going to have any kind you're not coming on a 17-game win streak here to mm-hmm. completely reverse the fortunes of the season. At least that would be probably the most shocking result I could ever expect. Uh, to have here so it's kind of we're in a point where it's like yeah you're gonna be bad and it's gonna kind of be what it is the rest of the way we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's um, let's jump over to the James Harden situation because we talked about this a lot yesterday. And James Harden obviously saying you know that he expected a max contract from the 76ers. That didn't come, and that's a big part of why he was uh, so upset with them. He also felt like he got frozen out, um, like they were not calling him, and uh, and so he got got upset, and that's what led to his departure with with Philly. And obviously, it's there's much more nuance to it, but that's the short version. Uh, but Harden also added in the piece with Sam Amick that his reps met with the Rockets, which Keith, that uh, shouldn't that be sounding the tampering alarm here? If he's if he's having his representatives meet with another team, despite the fact that at the time he was under contract with the 76ers. It should be. Now, if you are a longtime uh, front runner here with us and you've watched the show, I apologize. But if you're new to the show, I don't care about tampering and very rarely do does this. I don't, I just don't care about it. It's, it's the only time I care is when a guy's like a year or two into a multi-year contract. And it's very clear that they are trying to engineer a solo trade market for themselves. Then I'm a little like, all right, that's not cool because like you don't even have the ability to go something like this. Yeah, it is what it is. But here's the, where I do care is the NBA can't selectively enforce this stuff either enforce it or don't, right? Like either Mm -hmm. crack down on Houston here. And unfortunately, it's the team that's going to get in trouble. So Harden and the Clippers certainly aren't going to get in any trouble. Sure, Harden doesn't even famously have, like like he's got an agent now, but he didn't even really have like a real, he has representatives, which I don't know what that means. So that becomes, who do you punish there? Because you can find agents. You can take away their ability to rep players and mm-hmm. those kind of things with the Players Association. But ultimately, it'd be the Rockets that get in trouble here. And I've seen some of the reaction be, well, how do we know he's under contract? Because he was never not under contract with Philadelphia. He right. went he, at the end of the season, right before free agency, he picked up his player option. So he was under contract right up until he picked it up for the next year. And then that, that what that does is that extends his contract another season. So he was always under contract. So him saying we met with the Rockets and, and he was very ambiguous whether or not he was there. He said representatives and Ime Udoka. So now this could also be the Rockets could be like, well, wait, like that was our coat. Like, like our front office who really makes these, they weren't in on this. So who knows? But he basically yeah. came out of that saying, yeah, there was a conversation and they met, they talked about it. And that's, that's where it was. So I'm very curious to see how the league reacts to this. If there's any reaction at all, or does the league just kind of be like, 
Uh, maybe this one's better if we're all like, eh, let's just all move along, move on. Let's all move along and go. But if I was Philadelphia, Miami, Chicago, teams that have been penalized in recent years, right, I would exactly. be a little like, what are we doing here? Like, this is very selective enforcement right now. Yeah, why? And again, we've we've talked about plenty of situations where the punishment is not all that severe to the point where teams are like, okay, we lost a second rounder, but we got the player, so it's worth yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, but even so, there get there is some type of a punishment, and so if if some teams are getting punished, then others aren't. This when it's, I mean, obviously he'd be under contract with with the 76ers, meeting with the Rockets, talking about coming and joining that team. You can't you can't do that. So. If the NBA just says, well, it's all part of the James Harden mess, what's going to stop the next team after that to go, well, nothing happened when you guys met with James Harden. Why can't yeah. I meet? Why can't we meet with this guy a week before the free agency starts and sign him to a contract? You know, I mean, that's um, or agree verbally to a contract, I should say, because he can't officially sign it. But sure. um, but that's that's the problem. I think you're you're spot on. You have to either totally enforce it or not and if you decide to totally enforce it that's that's fine but get ready <laughs> because the tampering police would have to be on high alert all the time and tampering happens happens yeah. every year if your gm is not tampering you're behind because everybody yep. else is doing it um that's the problem that the nba has and then how do you police that how do you what about player to player contact how do you police that I think the easier solution is just to say, look, as long as you're not, you know, during a game or after a game, going up and grabbing a guy out of the opposing locker room and saying, hey, come join our team. As long as you're not making it ridiculous, we're going to just throw our hands up and say, tamper away. Yeah. And it got ridiculous over for a little while where teams weren't, they weren't getting the draft pick penalties, but coaches and organizations were getting fined uh, large yeah. sums. And coaches were even like, I don't even know if I can comment how good a player is. Yep. Right. It'd be like, yeah, the guy just gave us 50, but um, I, I'm very going to be very cautious on even saying much because it's going to be read into. Oh, he's talking them up because they're tampering and those kind of right. things. And I, that that's like way too far into this. My, my personal feeling is bad. If a player is a pending free agent, when their season is over, they can start talking to whoever they want. Mm -hmm. And that's just, let, let it, let them do that. Like what, what are we hurting? Like all you're doing is giving more information to the player in the team, because if let's say, let's just use this one as the example, if I'm the Rockets and it's, you know, post draft in that time between the draft and free agency opening. If I'm the Houston Rockets and I'm looking at this and saying, yeah, you know, we can get James Harden. What's the problem with letting them have a conversation. If Harden's like, I need the max and I need, the role that I had of, you know, the highest scoring player in the yeah. league and all that stuff in to, for what it's worth, Harden also refutes that part of it. He's like, that hasn't been me for a few years, which he's actually right on. He's like, mm -hmm. I've been more of a playmaker than score for about, you know, three, four years now. But anyway, let's say that was the conversation. The Rockets like, all right, that's not best for us. That's better than that conversation having to be had supposedly, you know, at midnight on July 1st. Like right. that's, or I guess 6 p.m. now on the 30th, because that's when it actually opens. So, you know, and then that gives Harden, hey, if he meets with five teams and they're like, yeah, we're not giving you a max, or well, I might as well pick up my player option and move on, which is in reality, that's really kind of what happened here, right? We know there was no max offer, so I might as well pick up my player option and figure all this stuff out from here. So 
I don't have a problem with that. Like I said, I have a problem with, for example, Jalen Brown, right? Hasn't even his supermax extension hasn't kicked in. Let's say Jalen Brown's like, you know where I want to play? I want to play for the Charlotte Hornets. That's the only team I want to play for. And it's like, I want to be traded. And then he starts, nope, I'm only going to Charlotte. And Charlotte's like, yep, he's only coming here. And that's going to be how it is. Well, that's, that's wrong. Like that can't be a thing because he still has multiple years left under his contract. So yeah. So here's, so here's Gordon Hayward and a second round pick and you're going to like it or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to deal with it because that's the best you can get. So like, those are the things where I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. Like that's, that's not okay to me, but yeah, if we're down to a free agent, like has already talked to people, whatever, like who cares? Just, you know, let, let's all move on uh, with this. But this is also why too, if you don't think tampering's happening, let's use a guy like Pascal Siakam, who's going to be a free agent after this season, mm-hmm. 100%. Any team that's considering making a trade for Pascal Siakam is having the conversation of, do we have a chance of resigning him? Because yeah. otherwise, our offer is going to be a lot less or maybe we don't even get involved at all. So who thinks that's not a thing? Like, all right, I have a bridge in Brooklyn. I would like to sell you, like, you know, contact me after the show. All right, let's jump on here to uh, the, well, I guess a little bit of injury news. I hate injury news when it's bad. <laughs> Good injury news. But uh, so we've got a little bit of both here. Um, Jeremy Grant, concussion protocol. Not good. Of course, the Blazers, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to rush anybody back or anything like that. But Jeremy Grant now in concussion protocol. Um, Anthony Simons is coming back at least. So there's something. But, you know, I I look at this and I I don't think this is going to necessarily negatively impact Jeremy Grant all that much. He'll go through concussion protocol. He'll eventually make his way back. Not to say that concussions aren't something that can negatively impact you years down the road. Certainly can. but, But um, in terms of the way the Blazers need to look at him, which is as a potential, I don't know if they're going to move him, but potential trade chip at the deadline. I don't think this is going to change too much. I don't think they're going to, they're going to hold him. They're not going to rush him back to try to win games, but I think that as long as he's back and he's playing up to, and this isn't something that lingers or anything come January, come February, I think we're going to hear Jeremy Grant's name on the trade market. Yeah, I think so too, just because he's a guy who can help a lot of teams. Um, a lot of because you could play him in either forward spot. You can ideally he's best suited if he is your third, fourth, fifth best guy mm-hmm. um there. So that that becomes an easy fit. The contract is it's big, but it's not he's not making max money. So that's different as well. You're you're not having to take on you know 200 million in remaining salary. So that's important just to retain a little bit of flexibility from that. So I'm with you. Yeah. And Simons comes back. It feels like and it's partially the reason some of these teams are bad teams, but it feels like when your season has gone south, which Portland's we kind of knew that's where it's going after the Lillard mm-hmm. trade. But it just feels like this is how it goes. Like you get a week with all your guys, then they start going down. And then as one comes back, another one turns around and goes out. And then you're just kind of in this cycle for, you know, maybe the rest of the season. And that's that's always a tough spot to be in. So I think in a lot of ways, I'd rather, if, if I was poor, then it was like, if you're going to make me make a choice here, I'd rather have Anthony Simons back because I feel much more confident. He's yeah. a part of whatever they're building. Let's see what he looks like with Scoot Henderson. Let's see what he looks like with Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp at the same time. Let's see, you know, can that trio play together and be a group that can play real minutes uh, versus Jeremy Grant, who, like we just said, 
he may not be on the team two months from now, never mind, you know, two years from now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. A little bit of good news. Kelly Oubre, uh, back tomorrow. This is after, after, I mean, we talk all about, you know, ACLs and Achilles and, and sprained ankles. The dude got hit by a car and, and, uh, he's going to be back. So, so that's great to hear. There was concern, especially he's had, like, this is a guy who wound up having to take a veteran minimum deal was having a pretty strong season so far for the 76ers and then gets hit by a car. Like this is, he's essentially betting on himself. He's playing for his next, next contract. So good to hear that he's on the mend and that he is going to be back out on the court for Philly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big time. And, and I think the important thing here with this from Kelly Oubre is the Sixers need him. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the important thing is he's okay and he can play. And I think that goes without saying, but on the court, <clears throat> excuse me, Philadelphia needs him. They really need him um, back out there because he is, they need that bench scoring and they need bench yeah. scoring with a little bit of size there. And that's what he was giving him. I, a bunch of people have kind of said, does he start? Do you think he'll yeah, go he back? He starting for a bit there. He was starting. I think he goes back into the bench role, which is what they always had in mind for him anyway, because I think they've really settled into when everybody is healthy and able to play. And this team sounds like they right again, all these teams that aren't in the quarterfinals, they got a big break on the front end here. A lot of them did in Philly got, I think a four day break. They had a bunch of guys who were out with illness and it sounds like the flu ran through the team or some version of a infection. So now you've got one year settled You've got Embiid, Harris, Batum, Melton, and Maxi. That feels like a pretty solid starting five. Now you're coming with Ubre off the bench and a whole bunch of other guys. You're you're in pretty good shape as you start to uh, move into the holiday period and into the middle of the season. And he's coming back early enough now too. You're going to get a couple good months of all right. What do we need? Right? Can yeah. Kelly Ubre fill a need that we don't need to fill that through the trade market or anything like that? So really important that uh, they, they get him back on the floor and great to see that he is back. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's finish up with this. The uh, scouts attending high school games in Vegas. Keith, who are, who are they there to look at again? <laughs> Cooper flag. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's what it, that's what it is. Everybody's there. Everybody's excited about Cooper. Flag. I literally, Keith, I went to the dentist this morning. And this is just random aside here. And the hygienist was talking about her son plays AAU and he's into basketball and everything. And we were talking a little bit about what I do and all that kind of stuff. And she was telling it, she said, my son, he's 12. He's, you know, he's all excited to go to different NBA games. But he said, if an NBA game is too expensive, can I just go watch Cooper flag play? And I'm (laughs) like, that, that is so telling of, of where things are today. Um, and where things are around around Cooper as a as a prospect. Yeah, I am extremely fortunate. He goes to school at Montverde Academy, which is about 20 minutes from where I live. So I have been over there. I've seen him play several times. He is unbelievable. He is right up there with the best high school players I've seen. Like he is very, very, very good. Uh, and he's what makes him a little bit different is he's really good on both ends of the floor. Uh, too. He's 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 just he's kind of got a you know, really incredible all around skill set. P- the people who don't know him are going to really get to know him next year because he's going to be a Duke, and Duke is generally one of if you're only going to watch a handful of college basketball teams, Duke is always a good bet because they've always got 
four, five, six NBA prospects, first round guys. Right. So next season when he's there, that'll be you know, must watch TV. But yeah, so what's happening here is the NBA is loosening things a little bit. So NBA scouts are generally very heavily restricted from attending high school games. They cannot in any official capacity walk into a high school gym scouting um, and just show up at, you know, they could not show up at Montverde Academy to scout, not without uh, running, you know, follow the rules here. So what they're doing is while the in-season tournament, which shockingly that Nike planned this, you know, obviously they planned the event mm -hmm. knowing the NBA world would be in Las Vegas for this. Uh, they've got this event going on and they're going to let the scouts go to it. Uh, there's going to be five games throughout the course of this event that they're going to be able to attend, one of which is Montverde Academy uh, playing, and Cooper Flag will play in that game. And then they released, it's like five or six. Uh, this is on ESPN. Jonathan Gavoni had it. Um, and it's it's in there. And he, he goes through, there's like five or six other high school events that scouts can now go to as well. So they're loosening it up a little bit to let them. Now, scouts have said, it's funny, teams are of kind of two schools of thought on this. They want to be able to go to these big high-profile events to see these kids to get yeah. an early jump on scouting them. They do not necessarily want to be, all right, you know, we got a call from somebody in you know, the middle of this, this the middle of Iowa, go check this kid out because they just they don't have that many scouts, right? Like you're stretched so thin. So what they end up doing is a lot of times it's they rely on their network. They call up, hey, you know, you used to play for me back in the day. You know, can you go check this kid out for me? Yeah. And it's informal scouting, but they want to be able to send their own people to see this. So I guarantee every NBA team will be in attendance at this event in Vegas yep. uh, one way or another. Probably will be a lot of the primary uh, decision makers uh, will be there. So the guys who really kind of run their team's drafts uh, will likely be in attendance to watch him. And, you know, the, there's a bunch of other uh, good players who are up and coming in this. So that, that'll be a thing that, that's going to happen now moving forward. It's been kind of out for, it's, I sound, feel so old about 20 years now that this has not really been a thing basically since the one and done rule went away. Yeah. David Stern basically said, no more. We're not, you're not going, we're not to, going to high, high school, school gyms. Yeah. And now they're, they're, they're moving it back, uh, you know, in these big events. And this is the right, right direction with this. I think I, I don't want to see full scale get back in there, but yeah, if it's these big events, yeah, go check them out. Yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense, particularly as teams are, you know, they need to have as much information on a player as they can before they're going to make the kind of commitment that a high draft pick uh, conveys. They, yeah, they, they need as much information as possible. So having events like these can certainly be beneficial. All right. I think that about wraps things up here on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday <laughs> today. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining. Make sure you do subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications. And then over on Apple Podcasts, you wouldn't mind putting a little something in a review. It's a great way to help out the show as well. Thank you, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.